Many years ago, a well-known Bible teacher was invited to take part of a Christmas TV program, and it was going to be a panel discussion. So everybody was there, seated around, seated around in a circle, and as the discussion started, the moderator started making nice remarks about this time of year and said how beautiful the Christmas story is and how eagerly the world waited for the coming of the infant Christ in Bethlehem so long ago. Well, the conversation continued around the circle until it came to this Bible teacher, and he had his chance to speak. And he said, very respectfully, I'd have to disagree with your opening statements. On the contrary, the world was so busy with its affairs that it wouldn't even make room for him, Jesus, to be born. He had to be born in a stable. Besides, no one even noticed, or probably would have even noticed, if God had not sent angels to announce the birth to shepherds, or the star that guided the eastern kings of Palestine. And then he went on, and he said, you know, I think it's more or less the same today. Men and women express sentimental thoughts about Jesus as they go about their affairs and their pleasures at Christmas time, but few pay any attention to the real Christ, he said, and they don't make any room for him in their lives either. I was thinking about that. Here Jesus makes the ultimate sacrifice and condescends to this earth in that passage that we've read so many times before, Philippians chapter 2, 6 through 8, he being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God. But made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or a slave, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. So here we have the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, condescending to this sinful planet to make atonement for the human race in the most humiliating way and form possible. Yet so often, we have turned this time of year away from a reflection on Jesus to a time of reflecting now let's see, what do I want for Christmas? What do I hope will be under the tree? Honey, why don't you just let me shop for myself? I'm going to the hardware store later today, and you can wrap it and put it under the tree. As if the incredible gift that Jesus gave to this planet is not enough. Yes, what the Bible teacher said on that occasion was true, and it's likely still true today. Certainly, we're busy, and few, it seems, truly have room for Jesus. If you brought your Bibles, I invite you to open to Luke chapter 2 as we read some of these well-known verses in our Bibles. Luke chapter 2. And we'll begin reading 
in verse 1, Luke chapter 2, verse 1, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, about a hundred-mile journey, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were complete for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I find it hard to imagine having gone through in my own way, the pregnancies of four children, taking my wife on a donkey on a hundred-mile journey to arrive and hear her say, you didn't make a reservation? (laughs) (laughs) There's no place for us to stay? And so they laid him in a manger because there was no room in the end. This was not the only place that had no room for him. There was no room for him in the palaces of the world's kings. Caesar would not make room. And the idea that great Augustus would make room for the humble carpenter from Nazareth and his pregnant companion Mary, well, that's just preposterous. And Herod, he certainly wouldn't make any room just a dozen miles from where Christ would be born, but rather than make room, he actually plots to have the young child killed when his birth was made known through the wise men. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon once wrote, Alas, my brother, seldom is there room for Christ in palaces. How could the kings of earth receive the Lord? He's the prince of peace. And they delight in war. He breaks their bows and cuts their spears in sunder. He burneth their war chariots in the fire. How could kings accept the humble Savior? They love grandeur and pomp, and he is all simplicity and meekness. He's a carpenter's son and a fisherman's companion. How can princes find room for the newborn monarch? Why, he teaches us to do to others as we have them do to us. And this is a thing which kings would find very hard to reconcile with the knavish tricks of politics and the grasping designs of ambition. O great ones of earth, I am but little astonished that amid your glories and pleasure and wars and counsels ye forget the anointed and cast out the Lord of all, end quote. Not only among kings, but notice there was no room for Christ, even among the chief priests and the scribes. It would seem as if they had missed it altogether, but when it was made known to them, I imagine they laughed. 
If you still have your Bibles out, turn to Matthew chapter 2. The other account that we have of this Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2, beginning verse 3. And there we read, When Herod the king had heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And we had gathered all the chief priests and scribes, there they are, When he gathered the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Did they know? Sure, verse 5. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. They know their Bibles. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Here Herod inquires of the chief priests and the scribes as to where Jesus should be born. They know the answer. They quote the verse from Micah chapter 5, verse 2. They knew the wise men had come and had visited, and they knew exactly what the answer was. Yet not one of them, notice, not one, is mentioned in any place in Holy Scripture as having visited Bethlehem themselves. Not to check out this infant named Christ or to worship him. They said, yeah, we know the prophecies. It's right here. But they couldn't be bothered. Even among the seats of learning, the wise, the world's professors and theologians, how few of the most learned of religious leaders have room for Jesus. But surely, They're not the only important people we should consider. Were there not good families who might have taken him in? I'm sure there were good families in Bethlehem. But I don't read about these good families making room for a woman in labor or later welcoming the child. I'm sure they were very gracious to one another. On occasion, they may have done charitable deeds for the poor, But the stark reality is that there was no room for Jesus among those excellent, well-to-do families either. No more than the kings in their palaces or in the courts of the chief priests or the scribes. Okay, okay, so maybe there's no room for Jesus among the wise, the mighty, the noble of this world, but surely there was a place for him among the common people, such as ourselves, Now, the rich in that day would stay with their friends. The inns were a stopping point for common folk who had no other place to stay. Yet it was precisely the inn that had no place for Jesus, was it not? We like to comfort ourselves with the idea that common people are more charitable more open to the gospel. But the truth of the matter is, it tells us in Isaiah 53, verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. It really is easy to understand why common folk who filled the inn that Christmas did not receive him. For one thing, they got there first. The inn was full. 
And why should one who had enough sense to come early give up their spot for somebody else who did not plan accordingly? So this woman was with child. I'm sure there were countless others who were also with child in a similar situation. Perhaps there would have been a greater incentive had they had some means, but they're not. They're poor. And so no one shows concern or attention, and Christ is crowded out. Am I describing anybody's life here this morning? As one commentator writes, Every chamber of the soul is so filled with human interest that there is little room for Christ. There is little vital interest in Him. There is little, if any, time for Him. And this is so simply because our time is demanded by a thousand other things, our interests drawn off in a thousand other directions, and our life is crowded to the full with possessions and pleasures until, strange though it may seem, there is no room for the Savior except in the stable. End quote. Is Jesus in the stable of your life? Or is he at the core? Until he's entered the door of your heart and reigns upon the throne of your life, you cannot regard yourself as any better than those who slept comfortably while Mary gave birth to her child in a stable. Do you have room for Jesus? Do you have room for Christ? Some may say, I have room for Christ, but I'm unworthy. Of course you're unworthy. This world was unworthy for Christ, the creator and king, to come, but still he came. As if to make the truth plain beyond all question, he was born among sheep and donkeys. But my life is vile, others might say. Wasn't the stable vile? Were there not some vile smells in the stable? And others might say, in all honesty, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what he might tell me. I'm afraid what he might require of me. I'm afraid I'll have to give something up. I love Steps to Christ, page 46, says, God does not require us to give up anything that it is for our best interest to retain. Did you hear that? Christ doesn't ask us to give up anything that's in our best interest to keep, to retain, to hang on to. The story is told of a woman who was in distress because of her deep poverty. And she was living in a cramped London apartment, more of an attic, if you will, And her debts kept piling up, and she never wanted to come to the door. She never wanted to talk to anybody. She always avoided eye contact because she was afraid the next person she talked to would be the person to arrest her. Well, one good minister found out about this lady, and he decided to get some of his friends together, and together they paid off her debt. And this minister went to her 
area in the town and was trying to find her. Everybody in the area just knew her as old Betty. And so with the receipt in his hand of the debt paid, with some provisions, some food, and even some extra money to, to care for her present needs, he went in search of old Betty. And he kept asking around the town and the village, do you know where she is? Do you know where this lady is? And he was describing, and he kept getting closer and closer until, ah, yes, you're in the right place. She's right up those stairs at the top. That's her door. Knock there and ask for old Betty. So the good minister knocks on the door, steps back, nothing happens. Knocks again a little bit louder. That's the friendly knock, right? I don't know if policemen do that or not. Still no answer. He waits, he waits. Finally, he comes back down the stairs. Well, did you find her? No, she must not be home. Oh, she's home all right. I know she's in there. She's probably just not answering because she's afraid you're going to arrest her, take her to prison, and she doesn't have any money to pay. Go back up, try again. So the good master goes back up, knocks again, and this time he yells inside, Old Betty! Now see, that may have been a clue. You don't ever go to somebody's house and call them Old Betty. Old Betty! It's me. I'm, I'm a minister. I want to give you something to help you. Oh! Came this noise from inside. And you hear the creaking in the house, and the latches start to turn, and she opens the door, and she's overwhelmed as he gives her this, this notice of her debt that's paid, as he gives her the food, as he gives her some, some supplies and, and, and money to match her current and present needs. And she says, wow, and she's overwhelmed. She says, just think. I locked and bolted the door against you. I was too afraid to let you in, and I almost missed this incredible blessing that you had for me. Jesus is knocking on our heart's door. And we somehow are afraid at times to let him in. Folks, he's canceled our debt. And better yet, he wants to provide for our present needs as well. But we've kept him out. We've kept him at arm's length. For some, it's intentional. For others here, it's just life got in the way, crowded him out. It wasn't on purpose, but it just happened. But it should be noted that those that have let him in have no regrets. In fact, they claim it's the best decision that they have ever made in their life. Is there room in your heart for Jesus? Have you made room for the Savior? And by room, I really mean have you given him access? Not just a compartment or a part, but all of your life. If not, let him be born in your soul today. Do not say, I hope there's room for him. Make room for him. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today's the day. Amen. 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Revelation 14, 6 and 7, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of water. 
Don't be afraid this morning. Don't keep God out. Now is the time. Today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your hearts. Receive that everlasting gospel, given at such a high price. Fear the Lord, honor, respect the Lord, give him glory. Worship him as our creator during this solemn and exciting time in earth's history. But beware, because if you make room for Christ, the world will have no room for you. We see this in Luke 2, verse 7 that we read earlier. Notice it does not say because there was no room for him in the end. It says there was no room for them. That includes Mary and Joseph, who are Christ's mother and father and sister and brother. Who are they today? Who are in connection with Christ today? It tells us in Matthew 12, 49 to 50, here, Jesus says to his disciples, are my mother, my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. So who are Christ, mother, father, sister, brother? Those who open up their hearts and follow him. But remember, if you open up your heart and follow him, the world will have no room for you. Don't think if you follow Jesus, you'll be praised for doing so. The angels will rejoice over one sinner that repents, but the world does not. The world will scorn your decision will seek to put you down, will call you naive. And if it cannot succeed in getting you to renounce your decision or compromise your stand, it will turn its back on you and go the other way, shutting you out. That's what Jesus foretold in John 15, 19. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you, he said. Along the same lines, Jesus says in Luke 6, 26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. But Jesus also said to his disciples in John 16, 33, In this world you'll have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. Isn't that good news? To follow Jesus will require an attitude of sacrifice. It will require, at times, a sacrifice of relationships or physical sacrifice, a sacrifice of means or pleasures. And it most certainly will, sacrifice, will require a sacrifice of our pride and our self-sufficiency as we sacrifice for the spread of the gospel. But if we choose Jesus as our shepherd, we will be in need of nothing, it says in Psalm 23. He will abundantly provide. He will restore our soul. He will lead us in paths of righteousness. When danger comes, we won't have to fear, for he will be with us. When we walk with Jesus, even in the midst of our enemies, he prepares a table of choice food before us. And it says there, Jesus longs to anoint you and bring healing to your life, to cause your cup of blessings to overflow. 
For when you choose him, goodness and mercy will pursue you all the days of your life. Why? Because you have chosen to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Though the world will have no room for you, Jesus will always have room for you. He's gone to prepare the most glorious rooms for each of his followers. He said in John 14, 1 to 3, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. So amid all the busyness this Christmas season, remember that Jesus made abundant room for you. And the question we have to ask ourselves this morning, will we, will I throw open the door of my heart and will I give him room, access, full authority in my life today? Dear Heavenly Father, you were born for us for me. And Lord, so often it's easy in this time of year to allow you to be crowded out. Lord, may it not be said of us that there was no room in his heart, in her, her heart. But Lord, may it be said that the door was flung open. You were invited in and you changed the entire life of the individual. May that be said of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.